Hi, this is Chad Albrecht from ZS Associates, and you are listening to The Sasshole. Welcome to The Sassholes, a show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. Jamie, Jason, and Pete have a combined 100 years of making mistakes and are more than happy to share them with you. Please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. If they can't hear us, guys, we can't help them. Today, we're joined with very special guest, Chad Albrecht from ZS Associates. But before we get to Chad, we have a commercial, Arnie. Oh, commercial, commercial, commercial. This episode is brought to you by Neuronoodle.com. Hey, athletes, get a doodle of your noodle, the brain map, before the season starts so you have a baseline to compare it to. You get a physical every year, right? Get a brain map checkup now before the season starts. Visit neuronoodle.com. And the seasons have started. I've got my daughter in uh, high school in every field and every uh, school is being used every inch because all the spring sports are being thrown in the fall. It's chaos. Get that full ride. Carney. Yeah, Pete. Carney. Oh, is this the joke, Pete? Oh, no. Carney. Yeah, Pete. What do you call 50 pigs and 50 deer? I don't know. 100,000 bucks. <laughs> Leave us some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. How's that pop filter? Jamie, I think it's how do you not laugh Stop. At Stop. How do you not laugh at that? <laughs> yes, so bad. I've never heard that one before. I love that one. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's that's the track that I'm going to use from here on out. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Jamie, so hard to please. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I just have a you know normal sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. You right. know why? Because he went to Notre Dame. Oh, too yeah. High, too right. high you know who tells you who goes to Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Girl. Yeah, people I went to Marquette. Yeah. Yeah, more people that went to Marquette, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll use that. Marquette had a really, really bad, bad week for Marquette. We got this guy. DJ. Wait, wait. Milwaukee had a good week. Well, DJ Carton that came out of Milwaukee. It was good it was, for no reason. No, it was Laverne Shirley. Wojciechowski, <laughs> our coach, he's uh, he's he's going to go down as a one done and done uh, person. So he gets the one and dones. They all enter the NBA, and none of them make it. So they're one done and dones. Oh, okay. For all. The- for all of you that had to listen to the prior podcast on how good Marquette is, uh, there you go. Hey, shout oh outs. Happy, bur- happy birthday, Justin Ruff Marsh. He's, he's our other guru. Ch- Chad's up there. You got the Mount Rushmore of gurus that I follow. Chad's on there with those glasses. <laughs> I got to get Justin. I got to get Justin uh, on the phone. Justin, Justin Ruff Marsh. His birthday was on 422. Missed his birthday. Gifts in the mail. Bill Terranova, jam at the Oaken Barn Bistro in Lake Forest. Chad, you may want to check that place out in Lake Forest. Had a nice uh, soft opening, had a hard opening. I was there. I vouch for the place. Marquita Hines. Oh. Hines? Marquita, right? Yeah. When, you, when you're at Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquita, how about a little love on the subscription? Thank you. And Quite then, a year, uh, I'm sure. Is she at Zoom, you... Zoom Info? I think she's at Zoom Info. I think those are two different companies. Oh, well, I saw Zoom. 
And then well, so uh, very, very different, although both both good orgs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Duly noted. Adam Zach gave gave us a little shout out. Nice little message on the side. Uh, good for him. Guy we used to work with. Got into Bitcoin in the early days. Now he's like chilling. Love him. Love him. Way to go, Adam. Okay. Uh, any deaths there, Ferrara? Uh, none that. Uh... None that I've noted that would be interesting to listeners, I don't think. All right. We got the NFL draft tonight. I stand corrected, by the way. Wait, what's that? Marquita's at Zoom, not Zoom info. I stand corrected. Oh, yeah. So then quite a a year. Quite a year, she said, I'm sure. Well, she got, got, oh, man. You think those options are worth anything? Holy crap. (laughs) Screw Bitcoin. Exactly. (laughs) You probably got $20 (laughs) options. Woo-hoo! NFL draft tonight, guys. We'll see. Uh, see if the Bears can do another outstanding uh, first-round pick. They're going to trade up to get Ian Book. Ian who? Who? <laughs> exactly. Ooh. They'll trade That's up to get a fifth-rounder. get him. happening. <laughs> we, we need him to do something. <laughs> no, we don't. We have okay. to because people really yeah, tune in for the news on this show. Anything else is that? that no, that's it? about it. Let's move on. Let's get okay. to the, the podcast. All right, here's the uh, here's the turkey. Put away the cranberries. Let's see. In the early days of not knowing anything, I've always been open to bringing in people that know more than me. One of the problems that I had in early days of being in sales leadership is figuring out how the hell you do a comp plan. How do you figure out mm. quota and whatnot? Being the uh, cheap guy that I am, I started at the library and I found this green book from uh, uh, Zoltner's. It was an Andre Zoltner's, I, I don't know, big, yep. thick, yeah. big, yeah. thick green sales book and compensation. And, you know, the first read through it is like, oh, man, I'm reading a math book, but I got to hit it again. And I hit it again and I hit it again. And Mr. Zoltner's has this company called ZS Associates. And I'm like... We, I need somebody to come in and look what we're doing in this business to, to put a plan together because if I'm going to hold somebody accountable, I need to point to, hey, this is the plan that we agreed upon beforehand, and I'm going to hold everybody to this plan. We brought the best minds around to help come up with this plan, and we're going to hold everybody account, accountable to it. One of the first people we brought in was, was Chad Albrook. He came in, did his, uh, I think he did workshops back then, Chad. And uh, yep. ever since then, man, it's been, I've been soaking it in. So Chad Albrook from ZS Associates, we have him in the waiting room right now. He says, we got him waiting in the lobby. Let's bring him in and say hello. Chad, thanks for coming on the show today from ZS Associates. Hey, Chad. Pete, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Hey, man, you made it to the big time, finally. I know. We let you, we let you on the show. I feel like this is the peak. It all goes downhill from here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so tell us about ZS Associates, Andre Zoltner's. Uh, how did you start there? Uh, it started with that big green book, and then you've written books yourself. And some reason, you had me put a blurb on one of the books. I'm sure uh, that sold a lot of copies. Uh, what's your story, Chad? <laughs> So ZS is about a 40-year-old sales and marketing uh, company. You mentioned Andy Zoldner. He's one of the, the founders. The other is Prabha Sinha. That's where the Z and the S come from. They were local boys. They were uh, Kellogg professors at the Northwestern Business School. And so they founded the company in, in Evanston. 
Uh, since then, they've grown to about 8,000 people or so uh, globally. Um, I joined in 1997, so I've been doing sales comp work for about 24 years now. Partner in the firm, I lead the sales compensation practice area for the tech industry and for a few other industries. I also manage the Chicago office downtown. And as Pete said, yep, we, I helped to edit the green book. I did not write it. That thing is an absolute monster of a book. And But wrote uh, Future of Sales Comp, which you were kind enough to, to add a nice quote on the cover for, uh, as well as Sales Compensation Solutions. No, I mean, if you're going to put a plan together, I mean, you got to you got to have these guys in, uh, Justin Rothmarsh, because you got to help these financial guys like uh, Karnak here. Uh, put <laughs> I their, always their, get bucketed. Their... You, I get worse yeah. branding on this show than anyone. You bucket he me buckets you. Finance guy. Yeah. Well, you're the Absolutely. finance guy. And, hey, nobody asks marketing to speak, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so... keep it quiet over there. I'm going to agree with that. Comment. Cost center. Well, just because you're employed now? Come on. So, so Chad, one of the things that I have written down here that I always kept in my mind from the book is when you're trying to figure out what a quota is, in the book, it says you should shoot for two out of three people making quota. Could you get into the thinking on that or what the explanation is? Because I've seen companies where, you know, they want to get two out of 10 making quota, one... <laughs> Crazy numbers one like out of that. Three. Yeah. One, one out of three, yeah. Two-thirds is a optimal percent from a motivation perspective. You want people to feel like they're in the game. You want people hitting or exceeding their goal. If you have two-thirds hitting it, that means most of them have very achievable uh, goals. The reality, though, is, you know, we had, you mentioned the Green Book, we had a 20-member a panel of uh, practitioners that were, asked various things to help write the book. And we asked them how many, what percent of your sales force do you target to hit quota? And the answer was two thirds, almost across the board. But then we asked how many actually hit quota? And the answer was half across the board. And so one of the things, and I think it's in the green book, although I don't recall, is why is there this disparity? And right. the, diff, the disparity is between motivation and, and financial reality. That if you have two thirds of your people like quota, finance sees that, gosh, we're at 110% of our number every year. So sales must be uh, sandbagging the number yeah. and our sales comp expense is higher than we thought it would be uh, as well. And so inevitably, the, the forecast or the quota gets raised so that closer to half of people are actually at their quota. Is that always the case though? Because what if it's, shouldn't it be two thirds you should have quotas that everyone should be able to hit. A lot of these SaaS businesses, yep. they might only get one or two deals a year and clear their number, right? Yeah. So if that's the case and you've got one or two and maybe you're only working five deals total, that deal comes yeah. in, you crush it. But if it doesn't come in, you miss it. So how do you handle that type of situation? Yeah, hunters are definitely a different category. You might see a, a percentage below two thirds for sure on the hunters, because it does tend to be a hit or miss. You might have people at zero, you might have people at 200% versus farmers tend to be much more closely centered around hundred uh, percent. But you're right in the hunter category, that's, I would not say two thirds of hunters are typically at their quota for the reasons you mentioned, because it does tend to be uh, very much, a, it could be an all or nothing depending on how big the deals are, how many deals you expect to get in a year. For those scoring at home that don't know the delineation, farmers are usually working accounts and doing more account management plus trying to upsell. 
Whereas hunters are purely trying to find new customers or new upsell opportunities and they're not paid on renewals at all. So I just wanted to clarify that for those. So you're saying for hunters, 50%, maybe one third might be more logical, but the pay is probably yeah. much higher for hunters. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they're smart enough. They know the, they know the gig. They know that if they have a massive year, one year, uh, they might have to put, put a little bit of that money aside because uh, not every year is going to be like that. Yeah. It's very lumpy. It's lumpy pay as well. It is very lumpy pay for, for hunters. And then Chad, why are senior leaders so uh, insecure about bringing consultants in? I've seen senior leaders like, oh, why do we have to bring somebody else? And we have all the knowledge, firepower here, horsepower here. Uh, why did we want to farm that out? Why some leaders think that way? Any any thoughts? Because I'm sure it's got to be a, an obstacle in getting into more companies for you. I think most aren't. I think most are try to not let their ego get in the way. They want a motivated sales force, period. And they don't necessarily care how they get there. I think for those that are insecure, it could be that, you know, they believe that hiring an outside consultant is somehow uh, an indictment of the current plan uh, that they have in place. It could be, it could represent that the it looks like they don't know what they're doing perhaps, or, you know, they might be afraid of losing control of the outcome uh, as well. When you go to the sales force, you got to say, this is the plan. And they've looked at your history and then you've had to change the quotas. You've had to change how the compensation is because salespeople, they game the system, right? You know, if they don't have, if they don't feel like they can believe in the plan that you put together, they're not going to try to execute against it. And then for the leaders, they know the plan isn't worth anything. So they're not going to hold people accountable to it. And then you kind of get this culture of the numbers don't matter. I'd rather spend the money bringing you in and say, look, this is the best in the business. This is the plan. Either we do it or we don't do it. And if if the leaders can't hold the people accountable, it's a leadership issue. And if the salespeople can't get to the, get to their numbers, it's a salesperson issue and, and move on. That's my two cents on well, I would say if the sales can't get to the numbers and everything is set right, it could be a product issue. I was going to say, I th- you know, look, the, the numbers are there for a reason. The minute you start to, you know, let them off the hook from numbers uh, is the minute you set a trend and, and they're going to look for that in every future period. I think Jamie had a good point. There might be a product issue. You might have set the forecast grossly incorrectly. And for, for those circumstances, I think you have to adjust uh, the quotas to some degree. Uh, but the more you do it, the more they're going to expect it. And that's a bad precedent to set. So if you if you have a miss on the plan and you have to raise the quotas mid-year, how do you go about doing that, uh, Cardi? Well, don't. <laughs> you don't. You can't raise quotas mid-year when you had them signing it. That just, you know. You why get, do you lower them mid-year? Because maybe you overshot something and you want you want more people to hit it, but you, you raise it mid-year, you're going to get, if, especially if you're a global company, I mean, you'll probably get 20% of the global work. Well, well uh, we were talking about Zoom. Force to sue you immediately. Chad, you, you don't do any work with Zoom, do you? Okay, so we can talk about it. Uh, let's just say <laughs> you're at Zoom and you got your plan in 2019. You got to kick off, oh man, this number, pandemic, how Zoom. What do you do? And that, you just, pay and then you fix. You pay? Yeah. But what if the upside is uncapped, you know? Still? 
Some companies I know, not Zoom necessarily, but of course a lot of companies benefited from the pandemic and some of them paid and and adjusted. Uh, Some of them met the salespeople in the middle, meaning, look, we both know that this was not not anything you did. However, we're going to pay you some partial upside. And that's been a, a reasonable, you know, most reasonable salespeople accept that as a good compromise, that they're going to pay them some of the upside. Uh, they're not going to pay them all the upside. A lot of them shorten the performance periods as well, just because we don't know what next quarter is going to bring. Uh, so rather than an annual plan, they might go to a quarterly plan. I, I would also argue, though, in, in North America, that type of mentality works. But when you start thinking globally, the EMEA guys are not going to let you off the hook. You're going to yeah, have yeah. to expect to pay. What percentage of your business is international, though? I'm just saying. Say so maybe 30% for us. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm just looking at North America. I, I don't think anybody in Singapore is listening to this podcast right now, so I'm just going to deal with the North, North American businesses. We had uh, Justin Roth Marshawn. He wrote a book called The Machine. I've been preaching uh, ZS, and I've been preaching The Machine. He has a chapter in there where he talks about that we should get rid of pay at risk and just pay everybody a salary. What is the market rate? You pay them a salary, and if they bring in more money, uh, then they should get more salary as instead of pay at risk. I was just wondering if we could have a little quick discussion on that. Do you think we could ever pay salespeople just a flat salary? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Thank you. My thoughts are no. I mean, I, I feel like that that just that just inspires um, a lack of overperformance. People are going to do what they're asked to do, but um, no more, no less. And and I think you want to create a comp plan that elicits, especially in the hunter side, elicits overperformance. And by just paying everyone a salary, yeah, you might help the bottom feeders, but the ones that are on the bottom. But you're really curtailing your stars, which is where you're, if you're dealing with the hunters, that's where you're making your money is the stars. But then you pay the stars more. It becomes, a, is it, it's a lumpy business. Hunters are lumpy, right? One year they make a million maybe and the next two years they make nothing. So, But I mean, if you have good marketing, it should be consistent, right? I mean, I, I guess, I, I think this is an interesting conversation and, and Chad, I, I don't, I don't know where uh, like expert opinion would be, but I, I sort of bristle at the that'll never happen answer for paying people a flat salary because uh, maybe that maybe that's the next big innovation and companies realize like look, I can get the same amount out of my top performers by paying them more in in a base salary than I would uh, in a variable comp and, and I don't know if that would be a problem with cost structure for a company you know variable comp and if it's really going to pour water on the the hunters and I don't know, Chad, what, what do you think? Cause I, I sort of bristle at the, that'll never happen. I mean, shit, we're going to be all driving electric cars in five years. Right. So stuff happens that we never thought it, would. It was tried. Uh, and I think it still exists uh, with a company called Atlassian. They have yeah. done it for their salespeople. It was in a book called uh, drive by Dan Pink. He advocates yeah. no incentive pay. We did a little, we went through the academic research. He had a little bit of it uh, that he selectively used for his book. When you look at all of it, the extrinsic and intrinsic together is what maximizes your 
output. If it's just intrinsic and it's just a base salary, you're putting a lot of pressure on your managers and on your performance management system. For many companies, it's not good enough to handle that kind of uh, pressure. Okay. Yeah. I, bu I buy that. Plus, it'd be a hammer on your business, Chad. We don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> I should be yeah, out of we, a job. Yeah, no wonder why he was quiet like when you. he put that question out there. He was sort of like, this is the dumbest yeah. question in the world. We, we like you. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't put it in the notes. Yeah, I, I, Chad, I'd like to get to, I, it's a couple of different questions, but I think it goes right to the heart of the people that listen to the show, which is if I'm early in my career and I'm managing a group of salespeople, part of my job is like have input on the comp plan perhaps. Or maybe part of my job is I don't have any input and it just comes down the chute and I got to deal with it. I'm the one who explain it. Like what are some, what are some things that new people managers need to think about in terms of comp plan? Everybody wants more. Everybody likes to bitch about their comp plan. Everybody wants something different. And as a new manager, like this is something I didn't necessarily expect to be dealing with that all three of you want something different. How, how do I, like, what do, what do I do? How do I think about that? The company should, be preparing their managers for, they should be the first line of defense for any questions. They ought to be able to walk their salesperson through exactly how they're paid, exactly how an individual deal translates to incentive pay in their paycheck. Um, usually there are workshops where we have managers take turn explaining the plan one to another so that they get a little bit more comfortable with the ins and outs of the plan. To your point about kind of goals and what the objectives are of the comp plan, the strategic importance or strategic objectives has to be the very first thing uh, when communicating the plan to managers to allow them to communicate it to their salespeople. Why are we doing this? Why are we making a change? Because generally speaking, people don't like change to their sales comp plan unless it's extremely broken. But uh, so, yeah, you need to explain the strategy. You need to be able to explain the ins and outs and exactly how a deal could translate to money in their pocket. Wouldn't you say one of the essence of the comp plan is exactly that, though, making sure it's understandable and easy for them to consume? The more complex it is, the less likely it is. Reps are going to be motivated. Totally. So. My next question. That's probably one of the biggest issues. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh, that is, that's a huge issue, I think. Simplify. Yeah. And I, I feel like... The more people that get involved in the comp plan discussion and the more people that may have been involved and left the company, the more iterations it comes. You almost got to scrap everything and start over after every uh, few years and get back to the basics. Totally agree. Less is more when it comes to designing the plan. Since we're dealing with SaaS and we're the SaaS holes, one of the biggest issues I feel like in SaaS, especially in the hunter world, is the hockey stick of quarters and years. How have you gone about, and for those that don't know the hockey stick in the SaaS world, almost every deal comes in at the end of a quarter and end of the year. So it's a hockey stick in the quarter, but it's an even bigger hockey stick at the end of the year. How do you go about designing an annual comp plan that sort of addresses the hockey stick? Or is that, I know that's the magic bullet, I guess. Um, has anyone figured that out? Very few have. You know, when we, we've had a lot of companies that want to fix it, fix the comp plan, but then when you dig into it, they don't want to fix the underlying behavior that causes the hockey stick at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. So you, you dig into it and say, well, does that mean, you know, senior leaders are not going to be 
pushing people the last two weeks of a quarter to get whatever deal they can in, throwing discounts at their customers. Because by the way, we trained our customers uh, by this point to also wait till the end of the quarter, the end of the year. They're very smart that way. Um, so it takes a lot of undoing and you have to be really serious about it and be willing to change leadership behavior around what we're asking them to do and stop pushing them to sell at all costs at the end of every quarter of every year. Yeah, it's crazy. So that being said, what, what, what I heard you say there was, and I feel like this is an underlying theme with every sales organization, the comp plan is not the reason why you're over or underperforming. It's just to gauge of success. I feel like there's so many times when we're underperforming, it's, oh, the comp plan doesn't, how, how do you handle that? I'm sure you go into a lot of companies where they're, they're, the blame is usually put on the comp plan when it's probably something else, right? All the time. Companies come to us. I would say they come to us and the most common reasons that they want to uh, fix what is broken is they say, let's fix sales comp for training. And those are the two easiest things to fix, but they are often not the root cause. So you're right. In many cases, I would say perhaps half of the time we're asked to fix the sales comp plan by the end of the first phase, which is essentially an audit of their current plan and what's working, what's not, we can point to other Salesforce issues that really are the core issue or that are additional issues in addition to the comp plan, but they're much harder to fix. If you have bad managers, for example, that's much harder to fix. So these are things that are sometimes clients don't want to hear because they're a hell of a lot harder to, to, what, to go What are some of those common themes of the underlying more complex? Is that just management or is that just deal? Man, that's one of them. Territory size is another one. So if you have very uneven territories, for instance, and you have a commission plan in place, but they don't want to abandon the commission because they don't want to hurt their, their biggest territories. Uh, of course, the territory size uh, tends to be the issue. You're often paying people for sales they made three, four, five years ago because they built up a territory and you want to protect their income. And so territory size is a big one. Sometimes role pollution is a big one, meaning they're supposed to be doing this particular task. That's how their comp plan was set up. But in reality, we've kind of asked them to do some of this other roles, responsibility, and then it gets muddied on what you're paying them for. That's interesting. Territory planning is always a, a big thing. If you have like named accounts and stuff like that, you know, there's a ton of tools out there. Data is data. We all know data is not accurate. I think at the end of the day, you use that as a guide. And how does it, how does it work have, out with uh, small companies that grow? Cause that's what you run into, right? Yeah. You, you have a sales force of one or two people. And then, you know, you don't limit the, the amount of inventory that they're using as far as, you know, opportunity. One person holds it all. Then you get into the, un, the hidden salary right? Because they have all the opportunity. You get into those issues. Chad, when, when, let's give you a plug now because we're going to pay you for coming on the show. How do companies <laughs> use ZS? Like what's the process, right? You get a web lead and then you call them up. Who's calling you up? Head of sales, sales managers. Walk us through how uh, ZS works. I would say head of sales or head of sales operations are the most common folks that reach out to us. Uh, sometimes the head of HR as well, depending on where the sales comp plan design lies in a particular uh, 
uh, organization. Uh, most times they're, they're running into an issue that they just can't fix themselves. Either they don't have the knowledge about how they should put a new sales compensation plan in place, or they just don't have the, the, uh, the headcount, the people to do it. And so they'll reach out. We'll talk through why they think they have a sales comp issue. Uh, so to Carney, to your earlier point, it may or may not be an issue, but we want to get to the underlying reason. They've come to the conclusion that they think it's a sales comp issue. We want to understand why that is uh, and make sure we're solving the, the real problem. Uh, if they choose to work with us, it's typically about a three-month process. We do about a month on the, the audit, figuring out what's wrong with their current plan, uh, how they compare to best practice, spend about a month on plan design and financial modeling uh, to make sure that the CFO is okay with the plan design and how people are gonna be paid at different overall company levels of performance. And we spend a month or so on communication and change management. So if somebody wants to fix uh, the plan for 2021, forget about it. You're, we're going to 2022. So you better start get, yeah, get a hold of you in uh, now, right? Cause I'm sure you guys That's, are getting- yeah, we. It does start now, especially 2020 was kind of a lost year. And so people have started earlier to try and figure out what do I want to do for 2022 when we're back to normal. So it has, we have had a number of people and, and for three months, you know, plus you have to get your incentive administration all set up on the back end. Uh, so it's not just three months ending January 1st, it's three months ending in October so that we can update our systems to handle whatever the new comp plan uh, looks like. Yeah, I would say that. Plus, right now, I feel like sales comp is really gotten the market out there is hot. So there are offers being thrown it's a, around. That it's a are scapegoat for bad absolutely leadership. ridiculous. About thirty percent more than what I saw a year ago. Comp plans are the scapegoat for bad leadership. Is anybody that points to the comp plan? Yeah, it needs help. But look, Chad can come in and and work his magic, but. You got crummy leadership at the top. It's not going to work. There's always going to be. It's comp. It's personal. There's always going to be animosity towards the comp plan, right? No matter what you do, no matter how you try to appease everyone, there's always going to be this 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 fight over the comp plan. But I do think you know, using uh, Chad, your company and stuff like that, it could be also for anybody who feels like they they they're aligned and they've got it all right but they're constantly getting beat by sales that it's not right. And you could come in and sort of give them validity and help them sell that upstream to the, the sales guys who are selling against that upstream always. One of the greatest things that ZS did in Chad, uh, and I don't even know if you still do it now, he called it the potentializer where you put all the opportunities in and you evenly distribute them out. So everybody has you know, the same amount of opportunity. Just doing that, it's worth the money. Do you still do that, Chad? Or is it something called something new now? And what, no, what we do it. Uh, potentialization, we, we take, you know, so, so if you're calling on every B2B business, you can get databases like Dun & Bradstreet that have just a ton of data about each business, how many white collar workers, how many total employees, where they're located, where they have sublocations. Uh, things like that. And then based on how much you've been able to sell to each industry uh, thus far, 
we can create, as you said, a potentializer, which looks at, okay, for similar businesses based on their, their NAICS code or their SIC code, we can look at nationally. Okay, based on what you've been able to do in this industry, uh, we think that you have X dollars of potential and we can do that by territory. So it's like a total adjustable market type of analysis that you guys are doing. Exactly right. It's totally a TAM calculation. You're exactly yeah. right. Well, hold on, hold on, Jason. So yeah. it's an index. Yeah. You don't want anybody to get too far from one. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but it's it really, you can adjust the opportunity. Depending on the headcount that you have and the index, you can really get it as quote unquote fair as possible, right? Yeah, that's right. You, you want everybody to, when they look at their performance at the end of the year, you want it to be solely based on their effort and ability in that year. What you don't want is a correlation between how much potential somebody has and how much they sold, because then you're basically paying them for the territory they happen to inherit. Uh, so you want to make it as even as possible to make it as fair as possible. Because then you get salespeople that are staring at Excels all day trying to justify why they haven't been successful versus going out there and talking to new clients. That's the last thing we want a salesperson to do. Go ahead. Yeah. Rara, yeah, your so, thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to think around the org, right? So I, I've, got a, I've got a lot of thoughts. I remember when, when Pete and Jamie and I worked together, I remember around kind of the budgeting time of the year, there was a lot of stress and a lot of locked doors dealing with the comp plan. So one, I guess one question I have is how stressful should that be for a company? How, you know, are we, are we blowing this thing out of proportion? Should, it, should this be easier than it is? So that's question number one. And then question number two around different types of sellers, I guess. So you've got hunters you've got the farming team you've got sdr like team of sdrs i know i know justin's like screw the sdr but i mean the reality is people have sdr so how how do they fit in the comp plan and then where else what about like the demand gen team that typically sits in marketing is that should they be on a variable comp plan so i guess the question is like seems to be a lot of stress and a lot of infrastructure around this issue every year and then among all the teams that have variable comp plans, like where, where do they fit? What's most important to get right right away? Yeah. So on your first question, it, you're not alone in terms of how much time and effort is spent on the forecasting budgeting process. One of I, I would say one of the things you will see, and, and we are starting to see, is AI and ML taking over that process. So there's a way to uh, forecast much more accurately both individual quotas as well as total forecast. So my hope is that that will take some of the stress out of that annual process, because you're right, what you described is common for many. In terms of the roles, you're, the SDR, uh, BDR, they tend to be on a comp plan, much less pay at risk, but they they are often included in um, you know, but based on the leads they generate, a lot of companies will require that lead to actually be closed and they might be paid as a percent of whatever that deal actually closes at so that it's not just leads generated that don't go anywhere, but they're actually leads that lead to actual sales. 
the, the other roles uh, that you referenced, I mean, you're going to have to remind me which roles or maybe clarify, um, but maybe one comment before you do that. So the, the way we think about who should be on a comp plan is they have to be customer facing and they have to be able to have an influence on the financial outcome of your company. If those two things are true, then we generally say, let's put them on a comp plan of some sort. Two good criteria. It goes to the to that third group of people I was talking about, like the, the demand gen teams. You know, the, those typically are sitting in a marketing team, or maybe they're a separate team altogether. That you know, depending on how big the company is, demand generation team. And I was just wondering your experience, you know, building comp plans for that kind of team, which you could argue is customer facing and has influence in the in the outcome of the, uh, uh, the financial outcome of the business. So I, I don't know if you put comp plans together for those kinds of teams too. If you mean demand gen as somebody in marketing that's you know, doing whatever type of marketing that's meant to bring leads into the company, I would say those are usually not on a sales comp plan. They're on a variable comp plan, usually the company plan. Their performance and what portion they partake in the company plan can be dependent on individual metrics or, or company revenue metrics. If that is what they are asked to do, or maybe leads uh, generated leads that come in through the website. Uh, but they tend not to have the amount of pay at risk that salespeople do because they're not accountable for closing uh, sales. Right. What about overlays? What's your thoughts on overlays? Overlay should be on a sales comp. I assume you're talking mainly technical overlays, some product specialists. Or just like, like technical overlays to me are more like sales engineers, right? And then there's overlays yeah. that are more like we maybe um, there's some other products that we're inter- integrating into the bolt-ons. Therefore, these guys are experts on how to sell that. So they're sales I, overlays. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So yes, they, they would all be on a sales comp plan, you would likely be giving multiple people credit for the sales, uh, which can be very irritating to finance in particular when they look at the comp cost of sale. And if we're paying six or seven people uh, on a sale, to me, they often look at the comp plan and say the comp plan is broken. To me, I would go back to what is your sales process who needs to be involved in the sale? If you need the core salesperson as well as the overlay rep involved in the sale, uh, then you need to pay both of them. Uh, if that's not financially feasible, then you have a go-to-market problem. You don't have a comp problem. Yeah. I always think my, my personal take is overlays are great for a time, but there should be a yeah, shelf that's true. You, they, they should be transferring their skill to the core sales team so that they can be overlays of another product if we have another product rather than, you know, maybe uh, by that time, some of your best sellers know how to sell this and they're just getting some of the commission check that I'd rather give to the direct seller. That's just my take on it. I'm, I know I'm not the majority. If, and- if, if you pay a sales rep to the degree of influence that they have over the sale, why do we pay sales reps on revenue? Well, uh, say more about that, Pete. That's you a farmer, right? You, you close a big deal and you manage a big deal and the, and the revenues come in and something happens with the product, okay, or something happens in operation you can't fulfill in the contract that's written. That's not the salesperson's fault. 
if they're paid on revenue, but yet they're going to take a hit on that. I just wonder what you guys thought about that. Finance. Every company does what you just described, which mm-hmm. is they're going to take the commission back from the salesperson. Right or wrong, I agree it's not their fault. Ultimately, it's got to result in money for the company uh, to be able to pay the salesperson there. Yeah, it's not their fault, but they also got paid. They might have stepped into that role that was already sold and they're just managing the accounts. They're getting paid for something they didn't originally sell. There, there's a there's a give and take there, right? There's two right. sides of the story. It does suck when it's not their fault, but at the same time, that's the risk of sales. So, so on the hunter side, you don't have that risk. You just get you get you throw things over it. the wall and move on. They, there is a little bit of that because if you're if you're going to go to that well again, you know, a lot of hunters are going back to that well. So don't just throw things over the wall and move on to the next client. You want to throw things over. You want to sort of be involved and, and sort of make sure that that gets set up right. Cause well, if your potential that, isn't that might feed it, you again and again and again, if your potential isn't equalized like Z, uh, ZS and Chad can do, then you can keep throwing stuff over the wall. Cause you don't care. You got more coming in. If you right? got so much. Yeah. 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 You've got so much and your comp plan's the same as someone who has so little. You're going you're gonna to be successful in the other person. Maybe a little Pollyanna, Pete, for the conversation, but the reality is it gets back to our <laughs> gets back to our conversation about who are you selling to and what's the product fit in the market, right? So if you've got a bunch of sales reps that are making tons of money and throwing things over the wall, then these clients are ceasing to become clients quickly. You, you've got, that's not a sales comp problem. That's a who am I supposed to be selling to problem that is much larger than just what the, what the compensation is. And so, again, I think it's one of those where you, you got to have alignment among all these go-to-market teams to understand who should I be selling, who becomes the best customer, how do we service them right? And then, yeah, the money I make as a seller on that sale is worth it because I know that the lifetime value hits the, hits the target that we're supposed to hit. Joe, any other snafus that you see when you go into companies that – for instance, they point at the comp plan, but it's really leadership, or it, it's not the comp plan, it's quota. Any other things that are going on with companies that you're seeing out there? I know we had COVID, but before COVID, what, what do you usually run into that are problems that you they, know, don't, they don't know are problems? Well, people say in, a, in really strong economies, what you see is the fringes of the sales force getting added to the sales comp plan, meaning you start to get maybe field marketing or sales ops or people that see the very, very high payout that salespeople are getting. And they say, I had a hand in that. I want to participate in that. You add them to the sales comp plan in some way, the economy turns south and they're all saying, wait a minute, I'm not a salesperson. I need to be on the company plan. So I've seen that cycle happen in 99 and 2000. I saw it happen in 708 and it happened a little bit uh, last year as well. So that's, that's one thing. Just try to keep it super clean. Who is on the comp plan? Who's not? And make sure you're paying your high sellers, uh, you know, two to three times their target incentive to make sure they have no better place to go because job market is absolutely opening up. We've seen it just in the last month. Uh, to pay the top performers, you got to take it from the bottom performers. Is there a rule of thumb that you budget for? Like what, what should be the floor that somebody should get paid something, even if they can't get to 100%, what percent should you pay out to those bottom performers? 
we usually look at the 10th and 90th percentile performers and, and where are they at on the, on the performance curve. So if you typically see in a typical year, your bottom 10% performers, maybe they're at 30% to quota or 40% to quota, something like that. You want to pay the bottom folks maybe 10, 10 to 30% of their target incentive, a small amount, uh, usually not zero, but, but something small. And to your point, you want to pay your top performers anywhere from two to three times their target. So the, the hunters, you, you'll typically see the top 10% at three times their target. Farmers probably closer to two times their target, but you want to make sure there's money in the kitty to pay those top folks. Uh, inevitably, some companies are, they want to pay the top without taking from the bottom and that tends to not work real well with financial folks. Yeah, that doesn't work. What's a healthy amount of attrition that you see? Like it's attrition in sales. Outside of right you know, now, I think the last 30 days, it's crazy because of the market, but as OTAs are, are going to get adjusted across the board to protect that. But Yeah, when we, when we survey, 10, I would say most years, it's 10 to 15%. Somewhere in that range is probably fine. If you're below 10, then you might have, a, you might have people that can't go anywhere or, the, or that are too comfortable if you're above 15 you may not be market competitor or there may be some other issues. And is that forced attrition or is that just attrition in whole? It's a good question. I think the way we asked it was total. So that would include voluntary and involuntary. Okay. Interesting. And then um, over assign, what's the typical over assignment that, that drives all the quotas as it is. Yeah. That's a great question. So it, it also depends on the role. So hunters tend to be more over assigned than farmers, for instance. So hunters mm -hmm. might be 10 to 20% uh, over assigned on the uh, ARR, TCB, whatever the, whatever the metric is. Farmers, because it's a bit more predictable uh, revenue stream, you might see three to 5%, something much more reasonable and that is done, uh, you know, because you might have adjustments downward during the year, somebody taking mat leave, uh, somebody quitting, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, so I would say three to five percent for the farmers, but for the hunters, it tends to be higher. What a show. What a show. Yeah. I love hey, this man. You. I love ZS. <laughs> Final question. What do you think? What do you think of Pete's? He's got the Texas, uh, the Texas handlebar mustache. I, th I think I see a mullet going on, Pete. And yeah. you shave the sides? I, I mean, I got I to gotta break the, the uh, base out. Plus, I cut my own hair. Yeah, you shaved the sides, didn't you? I saw you turn your head. I'm like, oh my I, God. Have not, I have not been to Great Clips in a long time. I'll never go back. <laughs> That's the most important question. <laughs> I, you know, the gray handlebars, I don't know. I, I, I'm more interested in what your wife thinks of the, of the mustache. <laughs> it's her I idea. Can't, I can't I'm believe like, she's but... a fan. Really? Oh, if I could, if I could dump this thing, believe me, it's uh, wait. No, it's her idea for you to have the. Yeah, it's her idea. Just, I love it, honey. It's 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 good. I love it. It's good. Chad, what are, what what are the latest books on ZS out there? Any anything happening? Any new authors we, out there? You know, we've been we've been too busy. We haven't we haven't written one in a while. I think the the sales comp solution came out in twenty seventeen. We haven't uh, written any. Okay. Anything since then? Um, been too busy. Well, if, you need our, if you need our help, just reach out, uh, Chad. Won't be a problem at all. Yeah. Is it uh, ZS do. Associates? What, what, what's the URL so people can uh, look you up? ZS.com. Super simple. Two letters. Two letters. Hard to, okay. Hard to forget. Okay. 
Good Northwestern yeah. guys. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, thank you, Chad. Thank you guys. Hey, thanks for listening to the Sassholes on behalf of Jason, Jamie, and myself. Pete, we thank you for listening and ask you to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Cue the non copyrighted music. Chad. Oh. Chad, 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 yes, yes. Big old mustache going. Oh, yes. I'm starting a biker gang, and it's called <laughs> Sons of Arthritis. Sons of Arthritis. <laughs> I can't, oh, I got my, uh, I got my cover on my camera right now, sorry. I'm going yeah, to switch the phone, gentlemen, just because I get a much yeah. better... Audio. Go, go, go right ahead. We got a. That, that's our picture. That's uh. Is Jason joining us today? He should, unless you know. While well, he's employed, you get different <laughs> hours when you're employed. Yeah, I know. I got the same. <laughs> We're not able to grow you... mustaches like you. Oh no, they grows on top of your head. Kim Jong Un. All right. We got Chad, man. This is fantastic. You know, he's done over 1,000 one comp plans, Carney. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Um, I've got a lot to talk to you about today. Because we're oh. doing comp plan discussions in today's market in this ass world. And that's all I end up talking about, it seems like. So get ready. Awesome. Oh, we're going to have fun. You know, you get what you expect with the sass holes. Yeah. Don't expect <laughs> <laughs> Let's set your expectations really low. <laughs> you got a pretty professional mic going there, Jamie. Yeah, I'm I'm stepping up my game all the time. Pete gives me a Very hard time nice. about my 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 broadband issues. I got that fixed. I've you got, do have pretty bad Wi-Fi. You are got definitely, a uh, uh, microphone with a spit mic just in case because I I tend to spit a lot when I'm talking. So <laughs> yeah. In one, in let's see, I'll give you three days and that thing's gone. This thing, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna keep it up. No, uh, this is my first time. This is actually my first time with the spit part. Well, here's you have I a little bit out. of a cold today, so that's why. Uh oh, <laughs> let's, let's get rid of that. But the worst thing is in today's environment, you know, like if you have a cold or a little bit of a cough, you almost gotta hide it from everyone. Yeah, what I mean, isn't that kind of just scarlet letter? Yeah, yeah, like oh no. I think I heard someone cough. Run! All right, we'll let Jason pop in because Chad, you know, he gets paid by the hour. I think. Yeah. <laughs> My check's in the mail, right, Pete? This is a paid gig. Have you guys? Oh yeah. You guys obviously Bitcoin. know each other. Have you talked a lot in the past? Are you kidding? It's me? been a while. We uh, let's see. go way back. He he's come in a couple times, man. He's when I sound smart, he's the reason. Oh, he's the reason. I, uh, Chad, he, do not use that as your uh, claim to fame. I will, uh, uh, that's like the tallest man right there. Oh, easy on the edits. Jeez Louise. All right. Do you want me to do it or do you want to do it, Carney? It's up to you. You can do it. Why don't All right, you do fine. it? Rotate every yeah. other one. I'll have you. Yeah, that's fantastic. How is, how is Minnesota, by the way? Minneapolis. You know what? I didn't see any bonfires. It was okay. Uh, 
didn't have anything to cook my wieners and uh, marshmallows on. Uh, everybody acted nice. I was up there three, four days, you know. Did a podcast in the back of a minivan, Chad. It was yeah. pretty, pr- pretty good stuff. I, I listened to some old uh, podcasts. I did hear that one. You heard that uh, one? What was your oh, favorite yeah. podcast? Did you like any of them? Probably didn't like. No, it. no. I, I, I was. I, I liked them all. I liked the banter. Uh, I was. Uh, I was more listening for the guests just to see how they jumped in and interacted and. Um, my brother oh, would yeah. like your joke of the day. He's quite a punster, so uh, okay. he would appreciate your joke. Why does everyone not sure about others. Because you, you're a hater. <laughs> uh, all right. I've got to act like I can't hear him all the time. Hey, Kearney. What? So, so, so I Chad, already know what the you... joke is. You send it out two days beforehand. Sure. So we'll go forward. Casual conversation. Maybe something will be usable in there, and then hopefully we didn't waste an hour of your life. Yeah, hopefully. Okay. Hi, this is Chad Albrecht from ZS Associates, and you are listening to The Sassholes. Holy crap. One take, Chad. This is going to be a good show. Oh, here's Ferrara. Look at this guy. Doesn't he know his number one job is us? I'm here. Hey, there he is. <laughs> what's, what's up? There, there goes the unemployment claims. Yeah, you got to <laughs> stop claiming those. Hey, I just, um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I just got off a meeting and, and one of the people on my team resigned. So, like, it's just an ever-evolving, oh, that's beautiful. you know, wheel of, of hire. And, was it because and, of you? He told me it was not because of me, but it very well might have been because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're three weeks in, you never know. Could be like it's son of a not long enough to know that. me, but long enough to know me. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. Ch- Chad. This is Jason. He's our marketing guru. Hi, Chad. Hey, Jason. Nice Good to, to meet, meet you. Yeah, glad to have you on the on the show. It's exciting. He These already did the intro, cool. man. We're gonna we're gonna get get into the weeds here in a little bit. Okay, not messing around. Looks like Jamie, you got a new microphone set up there. I I've had the microphone. I put this new spit thing on. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. I've had it for a while. I just never used it. It's called a pop filter, and I said, "Oh, yeah, yeah. it's going to be popping on the ground in three days." <laughs> yeah, my kids are going to take it. Carney. Yeah, Pete. Carney. Oh, is this the joke, Pete? Oh no. Carney. Yeah, Pete. What do you call fifty pigs and fifty deer? I don't know. One hundred thousand bucks. Leave us some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. How's that pop filter? Jamie, I think how do you not laugh Stop. At Stop. How laughing. do you not laugh at that? <laughs> so bad. I've never heard that one before. I love that one. Oh, man. Oh, that, Ferrara, that's the track that I'm going to use from here on out. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Jamie, so hard to please. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I just have a you know, normal sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because he went to Notre Dame. Oh, too yeah. High, too right. high you brown. know who tells you who goes to Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Girl. Yeah, people that went to Marquette. Yeah, yeah more people that went to Marquette, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll use that. Marquette had a really, really bad, bad week for Marquette. We got this guy deep. Wait, wait. Milwaukee had a good week? 
Well, DJ Carter that came out of Milwaukee. It was good for was, no reason. No, it was Bojo's, Laverne and Shirley. Bojo's. No, that's really funny. But I did sell the house. Uh, so I forgot about that. I, oh, I it's, told great, it's a great classic video. If you can I find like it. that video, please send it to me. Look it up. I'll give you a dollar if you can find it. Anyways, <laughs> well, I'm trying to tack up. Chad so you know, here. everyone in the company saw that video and it was passed. Well, you know what? That's a long time ago. Uh, God, said with yeah, such passion, they, Pete. Said with yeah, such passion. Such passion. You didn't read that. No, it's he's like a tour guide on a bus. I, I know. I got that patois. I am Mr. Podcaster now. It's it's you it's do. Crazy. That's all you do now. You do like five podcasts. That's all I, that's, that's all I do. And uh, this is my sassholes and uh, the neuro noodle. I have a mental health business. Those are my two favorite ones. I do one for Lake Forest, uh, Illinois, because you know political season is is always fun. And then Chicago back in the day. I you know go back in time. So that's what I do now, Chad. Pete, last Friday, I natural. you have to come to the lacrosse game. Loyola the lacrosse game, it. absolutely. They were going to play at Lake Forest, but then Lake Forest canceled because of COVID. I think it's rescheduled May 11th. Uh, Lake Forest is, you know, they got to they gotta toughen up. They got to get a little spine to them. Yeah, they'll lose <laughs> 20 to nothing. Chad, say hi to all the, the old buds over there. We, 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 I we will do buds. that. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much I gentlemen. might have to reach out with – Thanks, uh, Chad. We got a new CRO. Get some of his money. Carney. Get some of Carney's yeah. money, Chad. <laughs> we, no we, breaks. We, we, I spend so much time. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Chad hasn't heard that before. There's your lead, Chad. Mm-hmm. Guys, go. have a great weekend. <laughs> Making right. money already. Peace. Thank you, gentlemen. Peace. Bye. Take care. Bye.